This is Blake 7 in Character, the podcast that travels at Standard by 5 to seek out elements from the classic TV show. We'll be taking a look at the one-off characters, and occasionally the not-so-one-offs. Who they are, what we think, the actor's backstory, and anything else that occurs to us as we waffle away. So, stand by to teleport, but this is going to be spoiler-heavy, so it's advisable that you watch the story first. Hello and welcome to our latest special episode where we're taking a look at the very first spaceship ever seen in Blake 7, uh, the Civil Administration Ship London. Ian and I are strapped into our confinement chairs and we are ready to launch, aren't we? Yes, eight months sat on what I hope is also a commode because uh, where, where, uh, where did they go in the London... It was a question for later yeah. on in just where, yeah, where? What, what, what other rooms do we have? We don't see much on the London, really, do we? No, and I think, I think we'll go through it because I've been looking at studying a few photos of the London and um, it's not that big, is it, when you, when you work out scales? Again, that, that's another yeah. point I've got later yeah. on. Yes, yes. All right, so here we are, the London, um, first seen in the very first episode, The Way yeah. Back. And, do, you, uh, do you remember when you first watched it and saw it? I remember I, watching yeah, I Blake Seven when it, yeah, 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 in that in that dark January of seventy eight. Oh yes, yes. Because there was a there was a, a cardboard. You know, remember Britain's toys? It did like yep. little figures and that, and they came out with after Star Wars with these space Britain's figures, which had like domed heads and things like. that. Oh, they were like yellow remember? costumes yeah. with That's orange yeah, orange helmets, weren't they? Same, yeah. The same molding on everything, but just yes. different colours. Typical Britons, and they they did like a um, a hanger. A spaceship hangar card model pack that you can get, and it was it, it was very similar to the one in you know with the the, the little hanger that goes up in the London mm-hmm. in um, the first episode or second episode, and I remember as a kid playing with that, thinking it was that one. Oh right, <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, yeah, so it must have had an impact on me. Oh yeah, yeah, and um, the first time we see it, we do see it on its little launch pad thing. Yes, on on, yeah. on, on a, it's, uh, it's a really nice shot. Of, of it on its rotating silo with all its like yeah. P bulbs there illuminating it. And what what I like as well, and it's a subtle thing, but it, it it adds so much to it is the fact that they film it from eye level. If you were stood watching it, mm. a lot of model shots they'll film from above, mm. and it I think because we it's a it's a bit like in Jaws where they film all the sea from eye height if you were swimming and i think it's it's clever stuff it's subliminal and you think it makes it a bit more real because we don't generally see things from a mile above or you know no from that angle but yeah i thought i thought that was really clever for the, the guys that did the special effects well this is ian schoons who's the head of the show's uh, special effects yeah. at the time this is his training and background working with derek meddings on yes. the jerry anderson shows and it, sh- it shows doesn't yeah, it? yeah every time you would see thunderbird 2 launch the camera's way down at ground level looking yep. at it isn't it you never saw it come out or well, very rarely yeah. but it it helps sell it doesn't it it does you're you know you like your brain notices these things doesn't it and it it just helps the realism of it. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's, a, it's a, a really lovely sequence. I mean, the BBC obviously thought it was lovely because they used it <laughs> quite a bit afterwards, didn't mm. they? Mm. Um, but why not? It's, you know, it's a good-looking sequence. It's a good-looking sequence. I mean, what partly helps it is the fact that it's filmed at night. Yes. 
nice and moody, and also the way that it's filmed, because as I say, Ian Schoons, uh, the, the, the boss of the special effects, um, he went down to Bray Studios with the London and, and the landing uh, pad and everything, um, and he filmed it there because he wanted to use professional lighting cameramen yeah. for all this initial miniature work, because he knew, again, from the Derek Meddings years, he knew that uh, that was crucial to making a, a shot more believable is to light the model properly. Also, it was on film, so therefore you can do high-speed speed photography, which slowed down, then gives it a bit more of a sense of mass. And he said at the time he didn't consider anybody at the BBC was experienced enough in lighting a cameraman uh, side of things to do it. So that's why he blew, didn't he, virtually the whole uh, yes, special effects right, budget yeah. <laughs> over the course of a week or so, filming all this stuff on film of the Liberator and the London here. Yeah, it's, it was weird, the BBC, wasn't it? It was a, a really unusual sort of institution. It's, I don't think there's there's anything like it now. Even the BBC isn't like it now. And that, so everything was um, was uh, in the BBC, wasn't it? So you had different departments that did different things. And I think he's dead right that the the cameramen, the, the lighting cameramen, the people that set up the lighting, that they were they were very skilled at what they did, but they were very rigid in their outlook i mean there's mm. there's endless tales of, of directors on doctor who wanting you know saying can you can you lower this light no mm. no okay and it was very demarcated so you couldn't go against them you you ran the risk of a strike oh yeah um, unions yeah, then or, were, just, were, were, yeah. were you know you couldn't question you couldn't question it if you wanted something like that you had to request it you know 10 years in advance that they mm. could go out and get a 60 watt bulb instead of a 100 watt yeah, and they um, must have their tea yeah. break at yeah, an appointed break, time, yeah. and you must finish at five thirty or whatever. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to overtime. And... Yeah, and it's it's weird to think that it is a bygone world. Mm. Um, and bloody the... Thatcher. <laughs> but um, but even something like so so you've got a special effects guy that that wants to film it in a particular way that's the best way to film a model that shows the model off to the thing and half the time is not allowed so a lot mm. of times when we say oh that's a bit of a dodgy special effect shot we're we're probably um damning the wrong people aren't we mm. You know? mm. yeah and, and and well done him you know ian yes, for, yeah. for choosing to go down there because yeah, of course he had was... all the contacts i mean he yeah. worked up before working with derek meddings he was working at bray on the hammer films as yeah. well so he knew all the people yeah. down there in 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 the uh studios there and isn't it weird that the people that worked on Jerry Anson, because Jerry Anson was an independent, and by his own admission, he 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 surrounded himself with experts and listened to what they say, mm. which is what you know. I mean, Jerry Anson he, in interviews and that he's not he wasn't the sort of person who said, "Oh, I designed this under I did this, I did that." It was very much a collaborative effort, and he mm. would he would employ the best people and listen to them, which must have been so different going from that to the BBC. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, shut up, do it. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah, get yeah, it. Yeah, just yeah. get it filmed. More than my job's worth. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Jo- exactly. The BBC was a job's worth organisation. I look. I mean, I look back on Blake Seven and, and especially Doctor Who and that, and it's a miracle that mm. that the stuff is watchable or the, the 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 battles that the production crew had to go through just to get something filmed. Mm. I, I yeah, I I think a lot of that is forgotten when people sneer yeah. at, at you know certain things it's like just remember this is a different world yeah and of course at that time you know mid mid to late 70s it wasn't just at the bbc because of course you know um george lucas had this problem with the unions and oh it's more than my job's worth when 
making the first Star Wars film. Ridley Scott had it when he was making Alien that, oh, yes, yeah, we yeah. must stop at this time, you know, and well, they were um, just down tools and go home. Yeah, James know? Cameron sort of came to blows, didn't he, over it? Because, oh, yes, of course. Because he, he would set up a, per, a shot that he wanted, get into the mirror, and then everyone would down tools, go off. Well, they would literally team. turn the yeah. power off. Yes, they? yeah. <laughs> and and he, he detested working that way. He thought mm. it was a, an absolute madness. And I suppose that's the difference is that where in 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 the days we're talking about the BBC, they were businesses. They weren't mm. creating art. Mm. It was a factory. Yeah. Um, and so, and it, it's especially true when you sort of when you you speak to uh, people that were that grew up in that institution, and especially not necessarily like the producers and things like that, but the people that were doing the nuts and bolts. It was just a job. Mm. It they, there was no passion there whatsoever. You know. No. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's it's weird. I'd love to be able to travel back. I mean, say I was there. You know, I was I would have been alive. I could have gone down there. But I would love to travel back and be allowed to watch mm. some of these things. And and I, I I bet you would as well. Love to watch some of these special effects filmings because no one seemed to take photos of them either. No, they? no, no, no. And, and it was it it was ethereal stuff. And that's why yeah. you know you hear all these heartbreaking stories of things just being chucked away because to a lot of people it was just a job. We got to clear this and move yeah. on to the next thing. You know, Blue Peter's coming on in a minute. We've exactly, got to get yeah. we've got to get rid of well, this set, this prop, or yeah. whatever. You always hear stories of, of people like crying because like things were chucked into skips and that. But on it, what else would they do with them? Mm, mm. You know? They had nowhere to store the stuff. No, no. no. Yeah. All right. Well, as terrific as this first shot is of the London, you know, on its rotating uh, silo, as good as it is, it's even better the next time we see it because it's it's its launch. Yes. And we've been mentioning Jerry Anderson, and this is a very Jerry Anderson shot. Yes. The, 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 Jetex all the way. <laughs> Jetex all the way. Tons of smoke. Yeah. You know, this is this is Thunderbird two coming into land. Yeah, is it, is the London taking it off? Wouldn't uh, the London wouldn't pass its uh, MOT, would it now? No, 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 no. I think it, it it does look very Jerry Anderson, even yeah. though oh, it's set at night. Yeah, uh, the thing so. that distinguishes it, though, that makes it not Jerry Anderson, is the colour palette. It's all greys and blacks. Yeah, which you they... wouldn't have got in a Jerry Anderson show. This is more like Alien. When you see that yep. silo and everything, it, it could be an Alien. But this is pre-Alien, isn't it? It is, it is. It is. By a couple <laughs> of years, yeah. Yeah, I would, funny enough, I was thinking this. Uh, I had this exact same thought um, last night. So, so I was getting, downloading some pictures of the London model just to have a look at it. And, it's, and we'll come to that. Some amazing things. And I'm thinking, oh, why didn't I ever think of that? But you're right. You look at the sequence, you look at it, and it's grey and drab and humdrum. Whereas Jerry Anderson's stuff was all colour, yeah, and bright, you know, brightly, yeah, lit, brightly yeah. lit, um, which but is this, I, but that was aimed, I suppose, was was Thunderbirds aimed mainly at an American audience? I don't know, I and a family that. audience, and you family know, audience, and children. Yeah. But this, I think, the greyness and the blackness and the grimness suits the Federation, the season one Federation. Yeah. The, the, well, the design of the London matches what we see in the early days of the Federation. Yeah, and also this is a uh, which I. I sort of, I, I obviously knew, but I hadn't pieced it together. We say that when we're doing, looking at stuff for this program, you look at it a bit more in depth. And certainly I was thinking last night and stuff that, that it's probably subconsciously I've thought, but I mean, the, the London wasn't, it was a commercial ship that was basically, uh, you know, uh, either hired to transport prisoners or conscripted in to transport prisoners and we've said before that Leyland was more of a merchant marine than mm. the navy 
Mm. Um, and that shows in the look of it, and it shows in the fact that this is a cargo container with the mm. crane on the top, and like almost mm. the Thunderbird two, where it can pick, because those vertical sections in the center section, they're obviously the equivalent of cargo containers, and you mm. can pick one up and replace it. Um, but that sort of fits with what we know of the Federation at the beginning of the show that it isn't this, this. Uh, all-powerful fascist organization so it's making this up on this on the fly isn't it yes the, yes you know we need to get rid of these prisoners how are we going to do it are we going what are we going to i'll oh, just use an old just traitor. requisition yeah. something yeah and again very very clever sort of parallels with world war ii with the nazis so that you know they're transporting people to concentration camps they just commandeered trains goods mm. trains things like that so it's subliminally there's that as well i it's, it's it just shows what what level of of care and attention was put into season one. At mm. least you can mm. argue the rest at of least, your, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it, this this was an adult show aimed mm. at an adult audience. Mm. Mm. You know, yeah. this shot as well. What I adore about this shot is the two little people standing yes. in the foreground. Those two little miniatures. I don't know if yeah. they're like from a railway uh, set or something. Are, yeah. But they're brilliant. I mean, they're standing stock still. I, I had never noticed that on, on the video days. I had never noticed it. I first noticed those two miniatures in one of the Blake 7 books. And it's like, bloody hell, there's two people standing there. Now, if you're looking for them on DVD, yeah, you can see obvious, them easily. Yeah. yeah, but I don't think I ever spotted that on transmission. And I don't think I ever spotted it when it came out on video. No, I suppose also you're when you're watching it, you're watching it, you get dragged into the story in that. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's... It, it's little details like that again that subliminally your, you know your your brain picks up on that and it makes. I know we're saying it makes it real. It does, no one looks at it and goes, "Oh, that's an actual spaceship taking off," but it, the suspension of disbelief is made easier. Isn't yes, it, than, yes. Because you yes. think this this could e- easily have been a flashy spaceship, you know, mm. V one stuff. But that is instantly unbelievable. Whereas this, it's like, I do you know what if. If we ever do end up where we've got working spacecraft, I think they'll look like this. They'll look like the Eagle. They're not going to look like Thunderbird 3, are they? Let's no, no, no. No, it's, it's the Brian Johnson thing with 2001, yeah. isn't it? It's, yeah. the, it, it's the practical uh, design that you need rather than something flashy. Yeah, we're saying and that, I, that that SpaceX ship that was launched and did the docking uh, mm. about a week or so ago. You you look at stills of that and you go, that's from two thousand and one. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that, these two little miniatures always remind me of two thousand and one as yes. well because when you've got the Ares One B coming down into Claver's yeah. base, you've got two uh, two uh, spacemen there, haven't you? Just watching it, and yeah. also when the Millennium Falcon goes into the uh, Death Star, you've got a couple of little stormtroopers just yeah. standing there. All these exactly, little yeah. uh, little s- similarities. But you're right. The the influence on Blake Seven certainly at the beginning season one was 2001 it, mm. and logan's run it wasn't star wars i think we said in one of the other well it was being made concurrently yeah. wasn't it there's no way yeah um um you know i mean a lot of it is coincidence but yeah no a heavy uh, derek meddings brian johnson influence definitely. on the inscoons definitely yeah they're very um very influential people mm. Mm. do you know about this uh this shot of the london taking off do you know about the tea crate uh, it doesn't ring a bell. I'm, I might have mm. forgotten about it. I, when this episode comes out on the Facebook page, I'll yeah. put up a photo. It's in a, a book called Blake's Seven, The Inside Story. 
Oh, I haven't uh, got that one. That's the gaudy coloured one, isn't it? The, yeah, no, it's a one. good one. I mean, there's oh, no, that's the making of. I was yeah, no, the making is the gaudy one. Yeah. yeah, that's not so good. Blake Seven: The Inside Story is a really good book with some very rare photos, and there is a photo in it of this set. You know, the landing pad with the London on it. But crucially, it's not lit for night. It's all in with the lights on, and there's an opening on the front of that uh, landing pad. Uh, it's just an open space and the lights on you can see inside and you can see it's been made from a tea crate Yeah, because on the inside you've got the lettering of the tea crate you can see it now obviously they didn't paint it at all because they're going to film it in the dark so why paint it but i i i I love that the fact that that landing pad is made out of a tea crate what's really weird as well it makes me feel very old there's probably people listening to this that don't know what a tea crate is probably don't (laughs) even know what loose tea is to be fair um that's a worry. But yeah, th- you would have used what was about. And tea crates were brilliant. I mean, certainly when I was a kid, we used to build like everything out. You get a load of old tea crates, you could build forts and you could build... Yeah, so, you smash so, them yeah. up. You could make um, um, very fine gauge uh, planking, couldn't yes, you? Yeah. Deck, decks of ships and all sorts of things. Yeah, it was really, really good stuff. Because we didn't have we didn't have access to um, what is it EMA plastics and that did we when we were no, kids? No, 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 no. You had to forage for your uh, yeah. spaceship stuff. <laughs> forage, yeah. forage for your modelling. Yes, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, well, the London takes off and and yes. off it goes. Uh, so now's the time to talk about the London itself. As you say, um, Jenna later on uh, she recognises it, recognises it as a converted deep space freighter. Yeah. Um, and uh, we've got a command crew of three, haven't we? We've got uh, Leyland, Raker, and Artix. Yes. Now, is the bridge where where they're sat? Is that the bit right on the top, or is that the slot underneath that? I could never work that out on the model. Well, coming up um, later on, we, we we have a bit of an insight, maybe on that. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I've always assumed it's the slot. Is is the yeah would, uh, would make much more sense because because uh, directly on top of that bit on the top you've got the crane mm, arm yeah um, so it'd make more sense that the actual bridge is is down below the trouble is of course none of the windows you can see match the set mm. oh <laughs> um, I don't yeah. know that no there is one shot from um, uh, Cygnus Alpha where when you go inside the London, you, you, you have a panning shot of the cockpit. And as it starts, you see a oh, bit of right. the window. Yes. And yes. it is a slit we, yeah. window, like like we see yeah. the slit on the front of the so London. So that makes more sense. I mean, it's a, the, the London is almost the Volvo of spaceships, isn't it? It's boxy, but it's good. It, mm. it, it's not sleek at all, is it? If you, if you had to design a, or think of a, a ship that signified sleek, this wouldn't be it. No. No, it's functional, isn't functional, it? That's the word. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, if that is indeed on on the miniature, the the the, the slot that's at the front is yeah. the uh, is actually the cockpit window. When we go in, as I say, into the uh, interior of the cockpit, you see it. And and if you pause it and have a look, I reckon that slit window is about three feet high. Yeah. Now, if that's yeah. three feet high, that means on the miniature that that slot is three feet high and that gives you a, a sense of scale then doesn't it yeah well you've got the you've got the travel tube at the the back haven't mm-hmm. you which is which is roughly about twice a man's height mm. allowing for the you know the tube that comes out which would sort of match scale wise mm. um but yeah if if i think if uh if you were looking at the scale of a figure stood next to it it's probably going to be the figure would be about the height of the logo, the London mm, yes. uh, signage on it. Yes. Um, 
so you could imagine Dave Lister <laughs> painting that with a <laughs> with a, uh, a brush, space paint yeah. brush. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Because of course, our friend Andrew Glazebrook, he he came up with some plans once. He he drew up some really good plans of of the uh, London, and uh, yeah, yeah. Size wise, that that boarding tube plug where it comes out that gives you a pretty good idea of how big yes uh things are scale it's not a big ship can you imagine what would have happened to the series so say because blake originally wants to commandeer this ship doesn't he so can you imagine if they hadn't found liberator and this would have been the main craft i suppose that, that blake could have called his gang the london underground that oh, would yeah. Been good. yeah very good <laughs> um, but can you imagine what the difference the show would have been if this would have been the the main craft and i'm not I love the Liberator, but I'm not. This is a nice enough model that it could be the hero craft, isn't it? It's, well, it's like a Millennium Falcon, then, isn't yeah, it? It's a yeah. beat-up freighter. That's exactly what the Millennium Falcon was. Um, I, I've I've never thought about it before, but you you mentioned it earlier that you know the the, the midsection there um, uh, is has got almost like a slotted uh, appearance to yeah. it. Yeah. Well, if and, you look and, at the crane above it. I'm looking at a photo now. I don't know if you've got one in front of you. If you look at the crane above it, the crane arm travels along on that um, rail and then it obviously goes down and picks, picks up via those up. two, which look like, um, they're not, but they look like eagle landing pads on the side, the little square things. No, that's it, the airfix yeah. girder bridge. Ah, right. And it, it must pick that up and it can slot it out, or you know, like a, like I say, like a, car, a container. Yeah. Uh, Either that, yeah. on the top, you've got a row of Tamiya wheels, haven't yes, you? Yeah, and it, maybe it plugs wheel. into that yeah. and then lifts it up. But Because if that's the case, if each one of these segments is a container, then maybe yeah. when they converted it into a cargo transport, they they cut. Yeah, they They hollowed it yeah. out. So they cut each individual inner wall to make a, a, a more open space, which would explain why you don't see an awful lot inside the, the London, because there isn't much inside there the London. There isn't much. Well, I think, I think what, other than, like, we don't, don't see the engine room and things like that, but I think the, the, the quarters we see, that's it, isn't it? I think... Well, they open up the, 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 the rear wall, don't yeah. they? And they said... Because yes. yeah, you've got that the, 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 the launch seat area and yeah. the confinement seats and it's like this is your world for the next eight months and it's just like one little room yeah but i think that's the majority because if we're looking at that scale that's the majority of that cargo area isn't it? Mm. which again makes sense that they've they've used a couple of old cargo pods joined mm. them together and yeah. cut a hole in the wall or that sliding wall that could be one of the partitions you know so there's no bunks anywhere. You have to sleep no. in your chair. Presumably there's a bucket in the corner if you need to go yeah. to the well, toilet. Well, they can't exactly open the window, can they? I no, because Raker says to Jenna there's no yes. amenities yes. for females, yeah. Yeah, doesn't he? Yeah. So again, you're, you're right. It suggests that there's a, a best a bucket. Yeah. That's going to be a horrible eight months, isn't it? <laughs> and I guess the computer room and all, all the other bits that yeah, we we, we that see later, well. that must be up at the front somewhere near, yes. the, yeah. near the command deck then. Um, yeah, right. and I, I'm presuming then that the that you know when they, the the guy that gets killed by shaving foam. So if they're break, they're going out the side of one of those containers. So I wonder if he's going along the girdery looking bit. You know the bit with the little oh yeah. Uh, you know it's like looks like a girder with um, circular holes in. I wonder if he's going along that to get to the front, and the computer room is down behind the bridge sort of thing. Hmm. Mm. Which that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So all these things we're learning. We are learning. 
Um, we don't know how many crew you've actually got. We, we've no. mentioned the three command ones, and um, the, the other named ones are Dana, Krell, Wallace, and Teague. But we, yes. we don't know if there's any more than that, do we? No, and I, I'm feeling that there's probably not a huge amount more than that um, because they lose f- uh, three of them, is it? No, it's just, is it just Wallace and Teague that go across to the Liberator? Yes. They? So they lose two of them, and at that point, Leyland's willing to call it off, presumably mm. because there's not going to be enough people to look after the prisoners at that right. point. Right. Mm. Well, that's a good point. Um, yeah, yeah it's got, it leaves him with just that, that utterly thick, <laughs> bearded... <laughs> Well, we decided he wasn't yeah. thick. He He's was just, just he was the on the suppressants yeah. by the gas thing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they didn't give him a mask. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, because then they're outnumbered because there were 24 yeah. prisoners, yeah. Um, 11 of which were killed during the flight. And I know uh, the prisoners <clears throat> were on heavy suppressants as well, but that's still not good odds, is it? Even no, it's for not good. That's not good. People. We mentioned when we uh, talked about the London before that, you know, this, this eight-month flight time doesn't make much sense that's a lot of trouble to go to to take 24 prisoners to a planet and come back it can't be cost effective why not jettison them and and we were talking about maybe terry nation because basically cygnus alpha is yeah terry nation's equivalent space australia yeah Yeah, space botany bay and you know an eight months journey time is comparable to what it would be here on earth to take a ship um um yeah so it it takes eight months Uh, london can do at least uh time distort five yeah um don't know if that was its top speed um and uh, it gets damaged doesn't it it gets damaged um because of the battle between the liberator and whatever the liberator was fighting they're getting hit by micro meteoroid things aren't they yeah and there and there is mention there that uh, the port deflector shield was buckled so at least it's got deflector shields we know the london has deflector shields and uh, our text describes describes the ship as an old tub and um and jenna also says it's got an early mark hyperdrive that needs re-stressing by the feel of things yeah these, these are these are old trucks aren't they these are not the latest models of anything no they're outdated whatever they are they're old aren't they you know they but are, yeah. but the federation are still using them for the menial jobs things yeah. like you know ferrying prisoners around yeah i think that's why Leyland is just so beaten down by life that oh my career has come to this in this yeah. beat up old freighter you know ferrying prisoners to cygnus alpha yeah he's the he's the equivalent of a you know, an old tug captain or something. Eh? He is. He yeah. is. Um, and and yeah, it, it's an old beat up freighter. And the Federation seem to have a number of them because you see yeah. it um, quite a bit in uh, in other stories, don't you? Yeah. These, this must be the the backbone of of freighting stuff between worlds because again, we've got lots of planets that are quite a distance apart. Mm. Um, and it sounds like they're using these to to ferry stuff backwards and forwards. Yeah, I mean, um, in Horizon, the freighter that goes yeah. to to Horizon, that's one of these uh, uh, ships, um, and uh, the troop transport that we recently talked about in in Moloch, um, that was the London as well, wasn't it? And, yeah, and Orac called it then a T sixteen troop carrier. So, uh, and the interior we see of it then is doesn't resemble what we see in of it in um you know cygnus alpha so maybe they were had a bit more time and effort to carving out the uh the cargo uh slot things well, into a more of, yeah. amenable area yeah but that that also because you see the 
you see very narrow sort of they're not big rooms are they and they're separated so i suppose that that sort of fits Mm. (coughs) fits as well yeah yeah all right well we're going to pause uh now for a clip from cygnus alpha and after the clip um it is a special episode and it's a very special episode today because we're going to pause for an interview i did with the creator of the london and and now restorer of the london uh simon atkinson good stuff all right so let's have the clip first birthing sequence automatic committed 17 16 15 landing beam alignment confirmed 14 13 12 Check main retro drive. 11. 10. Entering silo. We have ground. Zero contact. All off. All off, sir. Um, you got the Blake 7 gig as you were working at the time at Space Models. Um, yeah. Um, when, when did you start working there? I started in 1976. I think it, I think it was August 1976. I was just 16 at that point. Blind. I just, I, I just left school um, and, and got a job there. Oh well, well, if you started in 76, you must must have almost immediately started working on the Spy Who Loved Me. That's right. Yes, it was. It was already underway. I, I think the. Uh, I remember that the the big set. For the interior of the tanker was already underway at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did some work on designing some of the, the, the vehicles that were going to go inside it, uh, and also some work on the, the gantries, the walkways and things like that, and, and also a little bit on the uh, exterior detailing for the tanker as well. Mm-hmm. So that was that was very early days. But I, did, I didn't start on that straight away, because I was, I was a sort of general dog's body for a while, obviously, because I was a, a trainee. So... I used to make the coffee and uh... yes, I know that well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it's it, that that seems to be something that went out the window into the eighties or something. But yeah, if you started in a trade, you were the dog's body, weren't you? You absolutely were. But it, but the thing the thing, and, and to be honest, I didn't realise at the time because I used to moan moan like crazy that I wasn't being given what I considered proper models to do. But of course, I was spending all my time wandering around the workshops, watching all these craftsmen at work. And actually, learning a great deal anyway, just from just from being there and watching. Mm, mm. Um, <laughs> and, and and I mean, you're in there. You're 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 working on. I mean, the Spy Who Loved Me tanker. I mean that it it was huge, wasn't it? <laughs> well, it was huge, but of course, we never saw the um, the, the the finished thing because uh, I, I believe that uh, the Derek Meddings and the company that were producing the film actually got a lot of different contractors doing bits and pieces for it. Um, so space models, as I say, were doing the interior set. That, that, that's the set you see at the end when it, when it all blows up, mm-hmm. when, the, uh, when the submarine torpedoes the bow doors from the inside, mm-hmm. uh, and then it all, it all goes to pot and, and it all collapses and blows up. So that, that's the set you see there. Um, and, and the surface detailing, the, the deck detailing, so things like the winches, um, and the, all the walk because it was obviously an, um, supposedly an oil tanker. All the walkways and things like that, um, which was all constructed in brass. So it was a, it 
would have it would have been a major thing. I would have loved to have seen the finished model. Oh, I, I, I was looking at the photos on your website, and it is incredible. Um, you can't call them miniatures when they're that huge. No, you're absolutely right. But interestingly, they filmed it in the Bahamas, and and uh, uh, the 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 kind of water level shots work work fantastically well. But there's one a couple of well a couple of overhead shots, and you can still see that the water isn't scale. Um, which is extraordinary, even on something that big. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, after Spy Loved Me, what did you move on to? I mean, that must have been almost the time that Space Models got involved in Blake 7, was it? Or was there something yeah, else before? Well, well there was the, the, the majority of the, the work that, they, that Space Models did was the aircraft models. So they did, um, they did a lot of Ministry of Defense stuff, so new, new aircraft that were being being built uh, but also they mass produced um commercial aircraft concords and jumbo jets and things like that so you know during during the sort of trainee phase i was i was the one that was you know rubbing down you know hundreds of concords prior to painting and things like that um so there was all that going on but um, i gradually i gradually got uh, given you know different bits and pieces so i remember i remember doing some work on a, a bbc production uh a science a science thing called the key to the universe i think it was called and that was making up all these uh molecular structure models um mm-hmm. and things like that and there was also a little a few advertising things i remember just casting you know large scale uh, pieces of rice and things like that for commercials um so it was a gradual process um, but I actually thought, uh, at the point at which I was given the Blake 7 job, I actually thought I was about to get the sack because I'd been, I'd basically been hassling the, uh, the various directors of the company because I wanted to get, get onto the, the, the kind of top benches and, and, mm-hmm. you know, work on some of the one-off jobs that the guys were doing, which of course you don't just jump into. You have to, you have to work your way up to. Yeah, but you're um, naive. You're a kid, aren't you? You. Well, okay. I was a kid, and I was very, <laughs> you know, I was very keen. Obviously, on, uh, you know, on everything because I love, love model making anyway. And um, I just, I just thought, well, this is a complete waste of time. And of course, it wasn't. This is the daft thing. I was, I was, you know, even in just the basic functions of, of, of rubbing down model aircraft and filling them and things like that, I was already learning a huge amount. Mm-hmm. So I was in the spray room one day, and uh, um, the workshop manager was a guy named Pete Robbins who came in, and he and he basically said, "We need to have a word with you in the office." And I thought, "That's my lot. I've I've overdone it. You know, I've I've hassled them too much." And I remember, you know, walking up through the workshops, and the guys at the benches all all making that kind of whoa noise. They were thinking <laughs> the same thing. And I went into the office, and there was. Um, Pete Robbins in there, and one of the directors, Brian Pugsley, who very sadly passed away just uh, uh, late last year. Um, and on the on the desk was um, a drawing uh, and, a, and a rough cardboard model. And um, and they basically, t- I won't use the actual expletives that we use, but they basically said to said to me, "Well, you've hassled us all this time. Here's a model. You're going to make this, and if you screw it up, you're out." Right. <laughs> So that was the ultimatum, but I was absolutely thrilled because I knew I could do it, and uh, um, you know that. So that was my first introduction, and that was the London. Um, so there was a cardboard rough there a, there model cardboard, of it already. A very rough mock-up, right? Uh, that Ian Schoons had done. So what I had was a, a sketch of the of, of the design, which is the one that's on my website. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. 
and also this cardboard mock-up. And so between between the sketch and the cardboard mock-up, I, I set about drawing the thing, making it work, because a lot of the proportions didn't work terribly well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I was able to use a, a bit of my own design input to... Uh, to sort of tidy up the shapes and things like that, so right. um, which was which was just fabulous. I was so excited. Right. Um. I mean, I've seen um, that there was more than one original design sketch by Ian Schoons. There's the one that you very faithfully followed, but there was another one uh, where it had kind of like a, a, a beak at uh, command module at the front and, and and a much more apparent crane. In the midsection, right. but I've never seen that. That's interesting. No, yeah, I've... no, no, no. That, that that was going to be my question because I knew there was at least two versions, and I I didn't know if you were involved in the whole process of choosing which one or, no, or anything. No, no, I wasn't. No, that, the, the the one the one and only design was the one that was presented. So presumably they'd already ruled that ruled out that design yeah. before they uh, sent it across to uh, to Feltham. Yeah, I, I'm, and I'm guessing if if Ian had made a cardboard mock-up already, he had already, you, you know, the decision had been made uh, yes, before I sending so. it to you guys. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and 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 memorably, the cardboard mock-up, he he had stuck on the uh, the Airfix girder bridge pieces <laughs> that I used then on the finished model. So he he'd already dressed it with that. He'd actually stuck those on the cardboard ones. So obviously that was yeah. something he wanted. Uh, well, as you know, Ian Schoons came um, from a background of Century Twenty One, didn't he? Indeed, and, and, you know, yeah, the, yeah, the Jerry right. Anderson shows are infamous for the use of that girder bridge part. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So, yeah. if if he had stuck them on on the cardboard mock-up, I'm assuming the cardboard mock-up was pretty much the scale that you had to make it. Then it was it? it was pretty close. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I just remember that it was. It, proportionally, it was slightly out, um, and and you know, so for, because it's obviously it's faceted of the front and the back, mm-hmm. and the uh, the facets are based on forty five degree angles, and I remember those those were slightly askew. So I think it had been I think it had been done in a in a hurry, basically, and the the wings on one side I think were slightly different size, mm-hmm. um, but it was you know it was absolutely brilliant because it was uh, obviously I had the two the two things the sketch as well, so. Mm-hmm. I was able to I was able to do the drawings pretty quickly. Mm. Mm. And, and before you got this uh, th- this gig, were you a science fiction fan? Oh God, yes. I mean, I I, um, I was brought up on Jerry Anderson mm. shows, so I was addicted to um, you know obviously Fireball X or Five Supercar before that. <clears throat> just just about remember Supercar, um, but Thunderbirds was was my obsession I, I just adored it mm-hmm. um and along with uh you know 2001 a space odyssey which i went and saw when it opened when i was eight years old which uh that, you know basically those those were the things that that set me on the course um i, I thought well i'm gonna i want to do this i want to make these models so be, be, being given this job by your bosses i mean <laughs> that's that, that's you one happy bunny then Oh, I was very happy. Absolutely, yeah. I, no, that that was me. I was away, um, as far as I was concerned, because as I say, I, you know, I didn't have any doubts about my ability to 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 make the model um, mm. because I'd been making models for years before I went to space models. But of course, they were they were you know using more basic materials and things. So I, mm. I, I took I'd taken a an Eagle transporter that I'd made along to the interview, which is how I got the job. Oh, uh, right. Which, what which a scratch built a, one. Yeah, scratch built one. It was it was made of cardboard and and plastic tubing and things like that. So you know it was it was uh, 
it was pretty basic, but uh, it got me the job anyway. Oh, great. See, I am so jealous <laughs> to, to hear all this. Yeah, and and I mean, when you're presented by this, by your bosses, um, you know, did they say, oh, this is for a new science fiction show on yeah, BBC? Yeah, they said it's for a, they said it's for a, a new BBC show called Blake 7, mm-hmm. which meant absolutely nothing to me at all. I didn't know, I didn't know what the premise was or... Uh, anything like that. I, I didn't. I also didn't know that the, the, the uh, London was going to be in the first episode as well. So I, I wasn't aware of the script or anything like that. Maybe in a way. I mean, that's a good thing because if you had known that, and you know, I mean, the London is the very first spaceship you ever see in Blake Seven. Uh-huh, maybe yeah. you might have felt a bit more pressure if, if you had known know, these things. Really. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking back. I did. I did obviously feel pressure because I I wanted to do a great job. Uh, and and being a you know a youngster, I I had taken to heart the comment that if I screwed it up, I would be I would be gone, you know. Mm, so mm. I didn't realise that was actually a joke. Um, <laughs> you know, used to take things much more seriously back then. Mm, so. mm. <laughs> um, I mean, they they sent you away and with the you know uh, uh, thing to build. Did they give you much in the way of what you had to make it from, um, how strong it had to be? I mean, that, that they put Jetex, didn't they, in the engines for the flame effect? They, so. they did, but the, the, the funny thing was that, that we weren't told that. Um, I, and I remember when I first made the model, there was no provision at all made in, inside for fitting those rockets. There were these Schmerly rockets that, uh, that uh, Ian had used on Thunderbirds. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there, was, there was no provision at all. So I remember that the model was, uh, pr- you know, practically complete. And, uh, and there was a visitation, uh, which, which, you know, being the mere minion that made the model, I wasn't even invited into the <laughs> meeting. And I remember being very, very annoyed at that. Um, and and then I, I believe it was Pete Pete Robbins came out and said, "Oh, we've 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 got to drill some owls in your model, mate." <laughs> um, and and the thing being made from acrylic, uh, sort of one and a half mil, mostly one and a half mil acrylic, so it's quite thin, but it had like a, a wooden core inside it. Um, it made the drill the drilling of these holes quite a hairy operation because uh, cr- acrylic. Um, is prone to shatter, and those mm. those uh, those Schmerly rocket casings were about 20 mil diameter, so it's quite a large size. Having to use a, a cutter, um, so that was quite a scary process. But we we got it done. But apparently, apparently, um, Ian blew it up um, when he was when they were filming. Apparently, he 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 one of these rockets didn't light, and he tried to light it with a lighter, and it exploded, <laughs> and 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 sent the, the model in pieces across the studio so um so you don't yeah. get events like this with cgi special effects these days you do you, don't, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> you you say it had a wooden construction so so did you make a basic shape in wood and then clad it with the acrylic it, yeah well some of it was so the the um it had a um, i mean it's, it's obviously you, you know, you're aware that I've been, I've been restoring the mm-hmm. model which we'll probably get to in a minute mm-hmm. but uh um, it, I, I built a core of using gelatin timber, um, which is a, a kind of pattern making timber, which was used an awful lot in, in special effects models. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I basically had built a structure, um, because the top, the front, the front top section, the, um, the cockpit section that had to be, that had to be removable for fitting of lights, as did the back, 
the back section, the top, that had to come away as well. So, so they were they were brass rods that were were drilled in, mm-hmm. and they and they went into the timber section. Um, but the rest of it, it was it was uh, acrylic cladding. So it was it was mostly one and a half mil acrylic, mm-hmm. um, which then you know clad the surface, um, and it was all you know all the joints were mitered together. Um, but yeah, it was, mm. it was fun. And then, of course, you, you you went the whole kit bashing route to to detail. Uh, well, yeah, well, I, I didn't do all the detailing. In fact, oh, you didn't? I, I, no, I did. Um, I did it up to a certain point um, where I'd put some some dressing on it, some some styrene panels, and some uh, some kit bits, so that you know, I'd, um, there was there was all the stuff at the back with the the tubes and everything on the top, which mm-hmm. I turned on the lathe. Uh, so I dressed it to a point, and I remember basically I was I was having a field day because I was enjoying myself. You know, I was sticking tank bits and things like that on it. <laughs> and Derek Ridley, who was another one of the, the space models directors, basically came in and said, "Right, that's enough." You know, they're, they're, they're not paying for you. Obviously, they had a budget for the thing, mm-hmm. and um, and he obviously decided that, that I'd done enough. All so right. unfortunately, I, I had to stop, and the model the model got shipped off. So the condition the model got shipped off in, it didn't have any undercarriage, um, yeah, but it had you know a reason a reasonable amount of the of the detail. So all the all the sort of the 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 girder bridge bits and all the, mm-hmm. the tank wheels and all that sort of stuff was on it, <clears throat> and it also had the de- the decals as well, which which uh, Derek Derek used to do. Um, a lot of design work for for airline companies. So uh, airline companies used to come to space models to have their as part of their their livery design process. And then and then they had a an in house um, transfer making or printing decal printing uh, setup. Um, and so the um, Derek had done those. So I remember Derek came along and just before the model got shipped off, he put the the London transfers decals on the uh, on the two sides so when it left when it left us it was it was immaculate you know it mm-hmm. was white uh, it wasn't weathered at all mm-hmm. um, and then the model went off um, and subsequently uh, I know that Ian Schoons then he he looked at it and obviously thought well I want I want this to be uh, chunkier and look and look more you know look more uh, Gritty, basically. Mm. So he then, the, the Beeb then did additional detailing on the model, um, and obviously they they did all the weathering and, ah, and uh, right. all that kind of thing. Yeah, right. Because it says on the blueprints, it says about you know it's beaten up and rusty and stuff. Yeah, like that. absolutely. Yeah. Well, I I assumed that I was going to get to do all that. Um, so as you can imagine, I was I was pretty disappointed because I thought, well, I've you know I didn't I haven't done half a job, but I thought I was still. Um, there was still plenty I could have done on it. Mm. Um, mm. So yes, yeah, so, so it left us, you know, looking, looking. It was in, it was a uh, just a, an off-white, um, and uh, things like the, uh, the the sort of antique glare uh, black areas around the cockpit windows. Mm. They were all they were all painted and all that right, sort of thing. Right. So, I yeah. was going to ask you about the um, the, uh, the the lettering on it because you know it. it if, if if you look at the um, uh, at the model, that that is terrific. And usually at this time of uh, model making, you know, people were using Letraset, and I was looking at that and thinking that can't be Letraset. It's too big, and it's not a no. font I've ever seen in Letraset. No, so it was, that it explains was a tra- that. It was a transfer that they produced, and I mean, very anno- annoyingly from a uh, a collector's point of view, there were several sets of those transfers printed because I remember seeing them, and, I, and I, it never occurred to me to 
to put any in my pocket. Because <laughs> can you imagine those? What they'll be now worth as, now, yeah. Uh, as collectors' items, yeah. Um, and the other thing, very annoyingly, was because because back then it was, uh, you know, photography was a was a reasonably expensive game. It never occurred to me to take pictures. Um, and uh, there were there were a couple of uh, uh, Derek Ridley just took a, a Polaroid shot of the model before it went, and that was it. Mm. Um, but it's such a shame because there was so much going on there um, that could have been photographed. Yeah. Um, such a shame. But anyway, you know, in, mm. in hindsight, mm. and they also, the, the, you know, there, there were there were <laughs> there were drawers full of uh, Space 1999 Eagle transfers <laughs> as well for Moonbase Alpha transfers, right. and, and and again. Just, just never occurred to me to just keep um, some, to just have some, you know. <laughs> yeah. Do you think if your boss hadn't come in and said, "Right, that's enough. They're not paying us for any more." Do you think you would have carried on and, and detailed it up even more? Uh, oh, ab- uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the kits, the kits had been bought. Um, you know. Oh, they had. They, oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, right. but it, it, I mean, it would it would have been different. It would have been different uh, to the to the the way it finally looked, and I think the way it finally looked was fabulous. You know, right. so I have no complaints at all. Um, but um, you know, there was lots of lots of extra, extra tank kits bought and things like that, um, that that had already been got in, ready to do it. So it was a bit of a shame that um, that it was cooled off, really. So, what if we're talking about kit bits? Was it you who put the the row of uh, Tamiya tank wheels along the top in a row? Yes. Oh, that's yeah. you, yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. I, I, that, that's instantly recognisable to me because I use them all the time in my models, you know, <laughs> because, you, yeah. you, you you know, you can do what you did there. You can make a nice repetitive line of shapes, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the, that particular kit, which was a, the, the, Pan, the Panzer Kampfwagen, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I can't remember what the letter is, H, I think it is. Um, and, of course, that's got so many wheels in it. And they... they and. Uh, <clears throat> the other kit that was used an awful lot was um, the Tamiar uh, M, uh, M. It's the M41, isn't it? M41, that's yeah, right. That's a yeah. great kit. And, and that's all the wheels were used for the fronts and backs of the tubes and things like that on the top, on the top section. But also, there's also you know lots of fi- fixtures and fittings and little grab handles and things like that that mm. came from that as well. Mm. Mm. Hmm. I love on your site how you, um, when you're detailing the restoration of the ship, which we'll talk about shortly, uh, you say that the, the mesh walkways along that horizontal area underneath the command uh, cabin uh, was originally Halford's aluminium yeah. mesh applied yeah, well, by uh, with carpet uh, tape by the BBC. Uh, yeah, awful, really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the it had been the the, the stuff had been obviously cut into strips and then it had been mitered uh to, into joints and things and the, and the, that that was really the one detailing element that i really didn't like uh, and of course by the time i got the model back uh that had all been patched up and looked really awful and it looked over scale as well mm. you know because mm. obviously on the tv that these sort of details just it's just a haze you know on the small screen so it, it all just it all added to the the grittiness of the thing, yes. but um, <clears throat> but I had a, a, a quite a battle with that when I was restoring it because you know I, I was very conscious of the fact that I want I wanted to be as original as possible in terms of techniques and things like that. But that was the that was the one bit I couldn't let that go. <laughs> I, just, I, was, I, I really wanted to, to to change it. I think if I'd have you know used the same material in the same way. Uh, I, th- I don't think I would have been very happy with oh, the finish. Right, right. Um, 
we've mentioned before on the Blake 7 in character podcast that Ian and I have said that uh, it's pretty rare for a ship on the show uh, to have windows. Uh-huh. And, and and we'd guess maybe that's because if you do, maybe then there'll be thought given to lighting the interior. And if you do that, you've got to have an interior. Was that an, uh, 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 an option to actually uh, put a proper uh, cockpit interior and light it? Well, it was lit, but but there was no question of doing an interior because the the interior of the model was was just basically blocked out with with timber. Uh. <clears throat> so it, it was it was partially hollow, but you couldn't have put an interior. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, the what we did was used excuse me <clears throat> we used um, quite thick acrylic, tinted acrylic, mm-hmm. um, and then it was only when I got the model back that I found, I discovered that. Um, that the guys at the Beeb had put uh, coloured cells behind that acrylic, um, which had been taped on, mm. and then and then they had used a masking tape over that. So basically, what you got was a very subdued glow to the case, uh, a red a red colour. Ah, uh, right. Uh, that the the film had been put on, but the the whole of the interior had uh, had also been painted black. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, to kill any bleed, any light bleeding out, mm-hmm. uh, and it was just a base. Of the, the, the the thing that was in it when I got it back was just just a standard uh, P bulb holder. So um, you, you know it was pretty rustic, and uh, and there was some wiring had been put into it, uh, and a switch also. There's a switch on the underneath that had been that had been put in there. So uh, oh right, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty basic, you know. So there's no there was no question of you know running any power down. The, the wires or anything. This mm-hmm. was all done in house. So, mm. and, and because it because you could remove the cockpit section, you could change the batteries on it. So, oh, right, right. Um, what I like about uh, the London in in the, the the story that you see it in Spacefall, the second episode, is that there's there's great continuity because in the story you have this boarding tube which goes across from the London to the Liberator, and this guy Raker mm-hmm. travels across, and and it matches. You have the boarding tube mount at the rear of the London. Was that something you put on? Was that in the uh, in the <laughs> no, sketch? No, that was that was uh, added on. If you see. If you see in the photographs, the the, the other side, the the starboard side of the model, mm-hmm. doesn't have that. Ah, right. Uh, and what it has is a is a is a uh, a, a hatch which is is elliptical. And and origi- I put that on both sides of the model when I built it. Right. So that, that that docking ring was was added later. Um, and also looking at the that sequence on the film, I believe what they did was they used a photograph. A photographic cutout of the of the whole ship, mm-hmm. and and that the tube was coming out through the side of the photograph <laughs> as it, as it extends, because there's there's no provision at all inside the model right, for, for that, that tube to have been fed out. It um it was still it was still basically a block of acrylic behind it. So so that was uh, I, I think when you look at it, you can see that the image does look rather flat. So I think it's a photograph. You see, give give me this over, you know, CGI special effects, a photograph, and then you have the thing poking through it. You know, I mean, uh-huh. I love, I love it. <laughs> I yeah. Really do. Well, it worked. It worked, didn't it? You know, and if yeah. you, if you look at if you look at the number of effects in uh, two thousand and one that used photographic cutouts and animated them and things like you know, so it's, I think it's a great a great method and and very simple and and and, and you believe it, don't you? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what was it? Just the London that you built? You didn't do the launch pad 
for it. No, I didn't. I didn't have anything to do with that. But I worked on. Um, I built, uh, and you know, it's, it, it, this is where my memory fails me severely. But I, I built. Well, first of all, I built a smaller version of the London. I built a three-inch version, mm-hmm. uh, which I, which I had to do in the morning. Basically, I, uh, <laughs> somebody somebody came in and said, "You know that model you made. You've, you've got to make a small one." And it, but we needed by lunchtime or something. Yeah, no pressure. Like <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> so I did that. But I also built. Um, it was like a bullet-shaped thing. Um, uh, so, so it was a sort of elliptical sh- uh, a set cross section, but it had a it had a pointed nose with ribs. Oh, on it. that yeah. Um, what, but Ian and I talk about that. We call that the Ford Cortina of of Blake Seven. They used that <laughs> that design spaceship in an awful lot of episodes. They made a full size one, but yeah, they yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah there was a model one. Oh, that was you, was it? Yeah. So I built I built that, and and also I think I built a, a little tiny one of that as well. Right. Um, uh, as far as I can remember, and I worked on the Liberator as well. Mm-hmm. What, so did, I did, what did you do on the Liberator? I, I did some of the, the just the detailing on the outside. So um, it was uh, the uh, stick, sticking on, <laughs> ironically, more more girder bridge bits, which was, <laughs> which was which was very funny. Bearing in mind the scale of the Liberator, um, <laughs> and also just just dressing it with some very very fine bits of styrene and, and things like right. that. But the, the uh, and the um, on the on the on the the outriggers, as I call them, which I think they're called weapons pods by other, other folks, there's these flat panels, mm-hmm. where, uh, and then there's a, 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 a piece of the airfix girder bridge uh, sitting on each one, and it mm-hmm. was that was basically a sliver cut from the, the decking of the of the girder bridge kit. Right. And so, and I I, I put those on, but uh, I, it, it, I always thought it looked ridiculously overscale. But anyway. <laughs> All right. Okay. Now you you were at Small Space last year. I um, was. Yeah, it was yes. Yeah, it was. I was there as well. But every time I came to your table, you were always busy, um, oh, which is a good shame. thing for. It was a good thing for you. Yeah, not such a good thing for me. But uh, oh. but um, the uh, of course the London was there as well. Was that the first time you had been reunited with it? Uh, it was the first time I'd seen it since it went out the door at Space Models. So one day you see it, and it and it's off white and pristine, and the next time you see it is forty years later, and, yeah, uh, and it's not and pristine. It's, <laughs> and it's wrecked. It's wrecked as well. It was it was quite a shock to see the state it was in. I must admit, mm. um, you know, because it was it was really badly damaged. It had been uh, it obviously dropped a few times, and the, the top had caved in, and there was. And there were bits on there. I could see that weren't the bits I'd put on in the first place. So um, it was it, it was lovely though. It was lovely to see it, and it, it's quite poignant because really it was really it was my first professional model oh. that I was able to produce independently, although I was working for the company and I had autonomy with the with the working of it. So uh, no, it was very nice to me be to reunited. Oh. <laughs> And and how did the restor- restoration idea come about? Was that a conversation between you and Matt Irvin? Well, it was me. It was me mulling it for several weeks, actually, probably probably about a month or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I eventually contacted Matt and said, "Look, you know, obviously the model needs to be repaired, um, and who better to do it with the person that built it in the first place?" So I think Matt mulled it over for a couple of weeks and then said, "Yeah, all right," mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, <clears throat> so I, yeah, and then I think about another another three weeks later. Paul Paul Fitzmaurice, who's the the co-founder uh, of uh, Small Space, mm-hmm. 
was coming up to do a show, so he brought it up in a box. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really only then that I got to have a proper look at it. Um, and and didn't realise what I got myself into. You know. Yeah, I was going to say, was that a daunting prospect where you sit down? It's like, right, where do I start? Yeah, it was really, I, and and it was in much worse condition than than I'd realised. And 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 interestingly, as I progressed with the with the with the restoration, it got worse and worse because every time I took any panels off, I was finding new bits that were cracked, and uh, mm. um, so it was in a really shocking state. Um, mm. Mm. I, but, I, you know, the thing, the thing had been used over 40 years, and it had been used on other shows as well, mm. um, and it had been redressed, and, they, and it had new bits stuck on it, so it's a miracle it's still around, really. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I saw your call went out, you know, when you first started, has anyone got, you know, reference photos, you, you, yeah. you, you know, because as you say, when you were building it, you weren't, you, you weren't photographing it, you weren't listing all the parts used and how you went about things. Yeah. So I guess it was yeah. a bit of detective work to work it, out. Well, it was a, con- a considerable amount of detective work, in fact, and, and, and that took, really, that took as long as the, as the actual uh, re- rebuild of the thing mm-hmm. was finding which bits. And uh, I, was, I was helped out by several people. Um, uh, a chap called Phil Shepard, who, who you may know, mm-hmm. um, who, who has been absolutely marvelous. And, you know, between us, we basically bounced things backwards and forwards. And, uh, and, and Phil also uh, helped out by supplying some of the, some of the missing kits Right. Some of the missing pieces, which was which was fantastic. So every you know, a lot of people have been really helpful. Yeah, Andy Spencer has got Andy, some and, t- and terrific photos, Spencer hasn't well, he? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and very supportive as well. Because the the other thing I found rather daunting about this is that obviously it's a it's a precious a precious piece that's you know over the years has been displayed and uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And so I was. I was very aware of, of, of eyes being on me. Yeah, sure. <laughs> As I was doing it, you know. So I, I, I guess if you did have eyes on you, you couldn't for one second think, I'll, I'm going to finish what I was stopped to doing, you know, and I, I will super detail it, you know. Oh, no, no. No, not, no, no. I'm, I'm, I set out, I set out to, to restore it to its the condition that it was when it was first filmed, mm-hmm. basically. So that that was my target. So so it wasn't obviously to return it to the state that I it left me because that it would have been uh, a different looking model completely. But mm-hmm. uh, so the, the the trick was to find the the origins of all the other bits that have been added that have been added um, afterwards. Yeah, sure. Which which I managed to, managed to do. Almost, I think about ninety ninety eight percent. But there was a few bits that I just could not find, and I right. I ended up uh, basically making them uh, by hand, right? Um, to to look to look like the parts because I just couldn't trace them, and, I, and it would have still been sitting in bits if I'd left it at that. So. Well, I, the, the kit parts that could be found, you know, the things like the the, the triang um uh bridge the, and things the, like the that bridge parts yeah i i mean i i know the fx girder bridge is, is still available it's it's called something else <clears> now <throat> it's dapo or something like that but yeah I, I i mean was there a kit which was prohibitively expensive to try and 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 find or, or really tricky to find um i'm just trying to think back um well well there were some bits that, that we just couldn't locate um 
and uh, and there was a couple of folks that had um I'm, I'm just trying, there was a particular detail on the on the cabin roof and um there was a few people suggested it was a landing craft or something like that mm-hmm. uh, a Lindbergh kit i think it was right and and i think to buy one of these kits was was kind of you know 500 pounds or something stupid mm. so i was i was absolutely not going down that route and i actually wasn't i wasn't convinced it was the right part um it it it, it becomes something of an, an obsession actually i do have a slightly obsessive nature anyway and i did i did find myself spending every available moment looking at photographs of sprues yep. from kit reviews <laughs> and to trying to find the bits <clears throat> Um, which, which is the is the road to insanity, really, if you if you take it too far. Mm. So I did I did have to cut off at one point and just go like right, okay, you've you've tried hard enough here. There's a point where um, you've got to go stop, isn't there? You, yeah. You, you know, yeah. I, I, I've done a few studio recreations over the years, and when you see you know how much it's going to cost you, it's like I don't think I'll bother, you know, or, or they're just not available anymore, you know. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. The last uh, um, I, I've seen of the restored London was when you had it on show at, at, in Glasgow recently, yeah. and and it's in its grey primer and looking mighty fine. Um, any more progress, or, or still uh, in well, the grey primer? It's, I'm about to start spraying um, and paint, doing the painting. Um, it's just it's just been a sort of um, I, I had i was i put myself under pressure to get it up to a fully assembled state for that show mm-hmm. and then and then i had a breather afterwards <laughs> right so the next I've, I've made up some support jigs for spraying because obviously with a thing like this you've got to you've got to spray the underneath as well as the you know mm-hmm. the other side and so i've, I've built a, a, a support thing that goes up into the undercarriage holes mm-hmm. So the, the the next stage is to give it a coat of primer, uh, uh, sorry, a coat of the white. But I'm I'm going to mix mix something up um, to approximate the original original white, which was a it was a sort of an off white. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, which interestingly, I was um, I was chatting about this the other day when when I took off various panels to uh, assess the assess the damage the i could see the original original color underneath so mm-hmm. i've kept a couple of little scrapings of that oh cool um but it was it was very nostalgic because when i was sanding back the back through this paint um the uh, the smell of the paint is it's a, <laughs> it was a trimite paint which we don't which you can't get anymore. Right. And it had a very distinctive smell, and it just took me back to the... Uh, the 40 space years. <laughs> the space models, yeah. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> That's incredible. Blimey. Um, I, I'm guessing with modern technology now and everything, it's going to be uh, pretty easy to replicate the London uh, lettering and the Federation symbol, uh, I guess. Yeah, the, well, I already have the artwork, in fact, which has been... Which has been uh, Donated. He's gonna. He's gonna hate me. Was it? Was it Phil or Andy that sent me that? I'm. I'm, I'm gonna be in big trouble because I can't remember who sent. Who yeah, sent but that. That, that, that. They're good mates. They won't mind if they. That they, they are. Um. You know, confused one for the other. Apologies, guys, if you listen to this. <laughs> but uh, um. Yeah. So I've. I've been. I've been sent the artwork, and uh, um. I've. I've. I've since. Um. I've. I've. I've done a, a kind of a, a vector version of that, which. Mm-hmm. Which is the can be blown up. Uh, much much larger anyway if needed um so that's that's all ready to go so that's that, that's artwork and then i'm going to get those done as uh, 
get some decals made, uh, which I might do myself actually, because I do I do my own decals for uh, some of the railway models I work right, on. Right, right. Um, so those have got to go on, and then it's then it's all about the. Uh, there's a bit of black to paint. There's a bit of masking to do, uh, and I've also, I also I'm going to the the I've. I, I've simulated the uh, the Smurly rocket tubes right. uh, underneath with plastic tubes. So I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a little bit of trickery there to get those. They had a they had a, a copper um, casing, so I'm mm-hmm. going to I'm going to try and get a paint effect that that simulates that as well. Um, and then it's all about the uh, the weathering. Mm. which is considerable actually because it was a very thorough job, and uh, there's lots of there's lots of uh, pa- pencil panel lines were drawn on, right? Um, but there was also a lot of a lot of masks used to to create, uh, you know, panel lines to break up the surfaces and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I photographed everything before I took before I touched the model. So I've I've got detailed photographs of every single panel, basically. And then Which, you can uh, shade and weather it exactly the same. Yeah, well, that's the plan. Obviously, I want it to look exactly as it as it did look. So it's um, um, it's it's going to be grubby, but I'm not I'm not going to. Um, the, the model had been quite extensively weathered in addition, following Blake Seven. Oh right. Uh, and it had been done with aerosols and things like that. So there was a lot of overscale yeah, paint splatter. Paint splatters. All, yeah, I saw that on your website. Yeah, and I'm not going to have any of that. I'm going to I'm going to have it as I said. My aim is to have it as it was filmed. Yeah. And I've and I've got uh, some some cracking um, photographs, which uh, which amongst many people Mike Tucker had uh, uh, sent me uh, mm-hmm. of it of it being filmed. Now the, the the origin of the photographs, and again apologies to the various folks that have sourced these for me because I, I can't remember, but the very high resolution photographs of of the model being filmed. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so I've got some really good references um, to, to the condition of the paintwork. So it was, it was nothing like as grubby right. as, it, as it later became. Um, so I'm going to go for that look. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for an update, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Excellent. Grand. All right, grand. <laughs> yes, as you say. All right. <laughs> Well, thank you ever so for your time today, Simon. It's a pleasure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you ever so. And can I also say thank you for two other things? Number one, thank you for Shangri-La Towers in Brazil. <laughs> oh, yes, that was it. That was fun. Because that, I don't think I've, I've ever seen a film before where the miniature is actually then seen as a miniature as a in miniature. the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we didn't know that was going to happen. We we thought it was <clears throat> we thought it was going to be filmed as a realistic thing. I built the model with a lovely man called David Wyman who unfortunately passed last year. Um and uh, the pair the pair of us just had had great fun doing it although it was a, it was a very pressured pressured model to do. Uh, we thought it was going to be filmed uh, as you see it initially. Mm-hmm. We didn't realize that they were going to they were going to show it as a as a, a model with a tramp <laughs> standing yeah, with over the tramp it. Doing that, we thought it was a lovely touch, um, you know. But it, but it does show you the, the kind of throwaway nature of, of film production because that model. I, think, I took the pair of us. Uh, oh gosh, about I think we were working on that for about seven or eight weeks, mm-hmm. and then it appears on the screen for two or three seconds. Yeah. 
So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was my, my my second thank you. My third thank you is, uh, can I just say, uh, your line work you did in 2001, Film in the Future. Uh, oh, thank you. I just adored it. You, you, you know, <laughs> out of all that book, I mean, it's a fantastic book, and anyone listening to this, I, I, I recommend it. Um, but the line work in those drawings, especially the Aries 1B, uh, terrific work. Thank you, thank you so much for coming up with those, Simon. Oh, that was a pleasure. That, that, that was, again, was a, it was a labour of love, really, uh, with, with Piers Bazzoni. Um, mm-hmm. It was a, a wonderful chance meeting that brought us together, and we were, we were so fortunate that it did, because up to that point, there'd, there'd only been one book on the, on the making of the film. Yeah, it was a paperback uh, book, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> Jerome, Jerome Agel or Agel, I'm not, I'm not sure how I used to reread that over and over again, and it was a paperback, all text, with hardly any photos. <laughs> yeah, well, it had a block of photos in the middle. In the middle, yes, and, that's what yeah. they tended to do, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, my, my copy is in several pieces now. Because yeah, because you read it so much. <laughs> yeah, but, but it was... Um, essential to us that we that we did as detailed as possible uh, an account of the making of the film because they hadn't we, we we basically wanted to do the book that we wanted to see uh, that that we'd never seen you know if right. that makes any sense no that makes total um, sense um so it was uh, it was it was a pleasure to do but the the actual illustrations took took an age um <coughs> excuse me I've got a cough on here um because because up until uh, some time after we, we we'd released the book, as far as we were concerned, there were no drawings left anywhere. Right. Um, and uh, it was it was only when we were in the later stages of of the production of the book, and I had already done all of the drawings and the artworks that we that we met um, Frederick Ordway. Mm-hmm. Who was the the scientific advisor to Kubrick and and Fred <laughs> Fred as we called him he had this 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 great big cardboard tube full of drawings of wow. copies of the studio drawings um, and and in there was was a whole bunch of things you know there was there were there were various things like the drawings of the pod which I'd already done so it was it was uh, um, just just an immense task because I, I basically had to do all of the illustrations from the few photographs that are available and basically watching the film over and over again <laughs> to get the proportions right. So it's the stuff Blimey. of insanity. Blimey, what would the uh, eight-year-old you have thought of all this that later on you would be doing such a thing? Uh, I honestly <laughs> don't know. I, I, think, I mean, it was, it was thinking back, it, it, when I saw 2001, although... Although I, I actually didn't believe a lot of it was models, I thought it was real because mm. <laughs> it was so wonderful. But I did, I did at that point say to myself, however this has been done, I want to do that. Mm. Um, and so it was pivotal. So I think it's a lovely, rather like having the London back to work on. It's, it's, a, it's a nice kind of circular thing. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Wow. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you, as I say, uh, for those for those two things and for uh, this interview today. I, I really do appreciate it. It's an absolute pleasure. I hope I didn't cough all the way through it. I've realised I've been coughing away here. Oh, don't worry. You cough away. You cough away. Excellent. Thank you very much, then, Simon. It's a pleasure, sir. Okay. Cheers, then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye for now. Bye. Manual control, Mr. Rekker. Put the ship on full emergency. All crew to operational stations. Full emergency, full emergency, all crew to operational stations, all crew to operational stations. What a gentleman. 
Well, yeah, what a, what a lovely fella. I, I'm just sad I couldn't be in on it due to bloody technology. <laughs> yeah, we must say to our listener yeah. that originally the plan was that uh, it was going to be a three-way, if you like. Yeah. Ooh, uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Ian, Ian was going to be in on the interview, but uh, for various reasons, it, it ended up just being a, a one-to-one phone call. Yeah. So, so uh, it, was, it was better to have that than not to have it anything. Mm. So I'm not bitter about not being in there. You're not bitter, and and also I I did strive. I mean, yeah. I I edited that down and 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 you know cobbled it together and got it to you within the hour of yeah. uh, did, the, yeah. uh, it happening. So and you uh, took out yeah. all the swearing as well, which was good. <laughs> but no, what a lovely chap and what yeah, an interesting really nice. conversation. That was a it fascinating was, thing to listen to. It was fascinating, and uh, I mean, there was I mean, you asked some very good questions and pretty much any most of the stuff I want to know I mean I, I, I was interested in things that probably most model makers had nothing to do with model making so like how did how did the studio system work back then you know how much money did they give you for doing this sort of thing and you know things like that so perhaps perhaps it's a good job that I wasn't in on it no I um, don't think yeah. even if I had thought to ask Simon that yeah. question I don't think it, he would have had the answer because no, like no, he said he, he, he was yeah. a kid he was a fledgling exactly, yeah. Uh, it had already been decided by the bosses yeah. that, yes, yeah, space models are going to make this. That would have been the bosses just haggling and, and deciding yes. on a but price. I, yeah, I always find it immensely eye-opening when you do see how much these things cost or how little they had to work with on these sort of things. Mm. It, it, I mean, literally, people that are making stuff now, model makers like you and me and home built, you know, the people we see, Phil and that, they probably spend more on it and more time on their mm. stuff than these people did originally. What what was really nice was the sheer enthusiasm mm. that came out of this interview, though. It was re- it was like, um, and that that bit where you said, "I'm so jealous," mm. and I thought, "Yeah, I am a teammate." It's like, ah, yeah. you know. yeah. can you yeah. can you imagine if that happened to us? I mean, because because I, I imagine you're the same as me. You, I did apply for a lot of places. Oh, I did. I'm sure you did. I applied well. to the BBC, yeah, Visual yeah, Effects, I, yes. Yeah, I applied to the BBC. I applied to um, Imagineering in the 80s with Richard Gregory, who mm-hmm. sadly died recently, didn't he? Mm, yes, yeah. Um, but it was almost a catch-22. You couldn't, you couldn't get into these places without experience, because quite rightly, they're small companies, so they can't afford to have someone on the payroll that's not, qualified that's mm. not bringing in money but equally you then couldn't get experience because it, it was sort of after the heydays of of the 70s where you could go in and say mm. I'll sweep up if I can watch and learn yeah 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 you know, um, so yeah I think I think we gypped out we were we were in the wrong time but we were a uh, bit weren't we but yeah, yeah it's 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 sound, I mean it's just I love these stories where people fall into jobs but it's so much better when someone's got a passion for it yes and yes. through their own diligence and hard work make a success of it I think it's, it's brilliant and it's fantastic that Simon you know he grew up as he says on the Jerry Anderson shows yes. and, 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 and he was converting model kits just like you and I were doing yeah. and, and, and then his first ever job where he's told get on with it is to build this spaceship you know yeah, it's, it's <laughs> how just, brilliant is that it's got to be amazing and it's, there's not a lot other than, I mean, the fact they're getting paid for it and this, what they're doing is going to appear on screen or on film. There's not a lot of difference between what they were doing than we were doing. Mm. Um, it's just that they, they, they were learning from each other. I mean, mm. back when, certainly back when I started modelling 
you know stuff that that wasn't like just airfix kits and that and making your own spaceships and doing that there really wasn't a, a society of people you could turn to or friends or you know online society or anything like that to swap information you each person it was like loads and loads of individual people learning by all the same mistakes mm. you know so you only you never really progress past a certain speed of doing these things mm. and, um, yeah i mean yeah. you're you're like me the only information we were getting was you know the the the, the, the rare occasions that you would get a short run modeling magazine science fiction yeah. modeling magazine like space voyager and space things voyager, like that yeah, and, and yeah. you would pour over the articles yeah, that would, were in there yeah i mean i can remember looking at you know if you had one grainy photo you would do everything you could to try and get information out of it take it to the library and and get a photocopy and then yeah. blow it up <laughs> yeah but all this this has probably cost more to get a photocopy blown up than the bbc spent on the london mm. but yeah they, you had to draw i mean occasionally occasionally you might get someone produce a, a set of blueprints or something when you like the space night starlog did and, them yeah starlog well, used to do them occasionally yeah um so so there wasn't a lot about i mean i can remember um do you remember the, uh, the? I think it was actually a Starlog book, and they did one, and it was on costumes, mm-hmm. and it was making your own costumes. And the, the patterns and that in there were just awful because they're they're so small and you can't do it. But that was the first thing I could see where you could start learning about how costumes went together and the, mm. how the stuff it was made from. Um, and it was the same with the the model making, where you you would you would hear, and it was nice to hear. Um, uh, Simon mentioned it, which was I know I I can never remember whether it's Jetalong or Gelatong, the wood, and mm. you would hear BBC people mention this mm. occasionally. They said, like, "What is this magical, magical stuff that they're using?" Mm. Mm. But yeah, it's um, it's fascinating. It really you, is. Fascinating. You you would just latch onto anything, wouldn't oh, you? Oh, any, yeah. You know, yeah. I can remember um, the first time I saw someone doing a plaster mould of something to do fibreglass and it was like oh, that's how it's done mm. you just couldn't you couldn't work out how these things were done no no i remember the um the alien uh, the making of alien book when alien came out yeah. my favorite photo and it's a tiny yeah it's a tiny little photo of the uh, docking arm of the refinery docking yeah. arm that the Nostromo was on but in the background you have tamiya kit boxes yes in- yeah. including yeah. the m41 that si- simon yeah. mentions in here which is a terrific model if anybody like us uh, likes you know scratch building spacecraft the m41 tamiya tank is brilliant. You've got tons of yeah. the wheels that are on the top of the London here, but also it's got a very curvy tank turret which you can turn into like the uh, the, the, the the nose cone of a spaceship. That's really good as well. Yeah, but you you would um, just yeah you would you would just latch onto this. I remember seeing I can't remember what it might have been in a Starlog, and they were looking at this the new show called Battlestar Galactica, and there was a um, I think it was. Um, a photo of Dykstra and he was doing detail in it and he had the same where there was like just a, a massive pile behind him of uh, Tamiya tank kits oh is, yeah. no isn't that the photo where that, that that detail in it and you've got the boxes of the Tamiya kits on the hull of the ship where they're just cutting yes. bits off and sticking them on yes That's I know it, that yeah, photo yeah, you know very that? well and that, <laughs> yeah it's and that was so it was like you'd rush out and buy stuff and just I, I, I wish I'd have kept a lot of my early stuff I mean there's very little of 
when I first started modeling that survived one or two bits. But I wish I'd have kept some of my spaceships because I bet they're bloody awful. Oh, I've got one. Yeah, I've got one. I, 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 I'll get it out of the attic yeah. And, yeah. And, and take a photo of it. Oh, it's awful. It it's just there. a basic shape, and I've just glued anything on without any thought to, you know, spacing things out and proportions or anything. It's ghastly. Yeah. But what I like about what Simon did with the London is that the detail is quite sparse. It, it, it's a lot of panel lines, yeah. and, and you get the odd... You, you, you know, detail piece. But it's I was very surprisingly simple. It is surprisingly yeah. simple, but I didn't realise that was a surprise to me in the interview that it it wouldn't have been. It was it was Simon was told that's enough. They've paid for yeah. it. Yeah. You're, you're not going to do any more work. That's that's what they've paid for. It's going like that. You know. Yeah. Again, what, what I was saying earlier. It's it's a business, and there's it's like it's nice to see he's got passion mm. rather than this is what they paid for. There you go. Mm. But yeah, it's but you look at photos, and I'm, I'm every, when I look at, it, I think oh, I might make one. I might make one, you know. I've got plenty of sheet styrene still mm. in the garden, yeah. so I might have a go at one. And you look at it, and it's surprisingly simple shapes, mm. um, but cleverly, cleverly detailed. But also, which is a big thing, cleverly weathered. Mm. It's not over the top. Mm. It it works, and the fact that the you know you've got that London logo, and, and you mentioned that it's not letter set. And that adds immensely to it because mm. there's nothing. You, I know it's what they had, but you look at a lot of stuff and you can immediately see the letter set on it. Well, Thunderbirds, Thunderbirds all the Thunderbirds. Yeah. That yeah. font is. Yeah. You know. We're so used to it; it's ingrained in our psyche. That font. Yeah, that's so, all we. That's all we had as well, wasn't it? Yeah, if that had been mm. letter set, say in the London. Yeah. You would click straight away. Oh, I know what they've yeah. done there, but but it makes it special. It was very interesting to hear Simon saying yeah, that that was the that was space models. That, yeah, yeah, they ha- and he had spares and he yeah. didn't, didn't keep them. Blimey! But no, I I I I found that fascinating that you know Simon was told to stop because that's all yeah. that they've paid for, and and it went to the BBC without the landing gear done. And, um, you know, somebody then, I don't know if it was Ian Schoons, but, but uh, somebody at the special effects at the BBC finished the model. They're the ones who put the boarding tube plug at the back. Yeah. They're the ones who put the, uh, the, the landing gear on. Isn't it weird? Because we, I say, well, I say we, certainly myself, you have this vision that a special effects guy, it's one guy from beginning to end. So someone says, I want a spaceship. So he draws up the plans, mm. gets them approved, builds the model hooks it up for filming is there when they're filming it tell it and it and it's it's surprising to hear and it makes more sense i suppose that it's not it's one guy draws up the plans hands them to someone else someone else builds the main bodywork hands them to someone else mm. someone else details it hands them to someone else someone else rigs it for hanging from a wire by drilling massive great big holes in it hands it to someone else it's it's amazing how many people are involved in mm. this stuff um because yeah, we I think we're used to seeing like special effects, uh, uh, how-to videos, and that where it's it's the head of the special effects department and they're taking credit for everything. Yes, yeah, you know, mm. no name and names because everyone everyone sort of does it, and you can see why they do it so that there's one single face to be latched onto. Mm. But yeah, there's a lot of people involved in this. Very much so. I mean, you know, I, I, this is what I like about social media now is that, that the people are getting their due now. Yes. So you'll go on to, say, the Space 1999, you know, forums and, and Facebook pages and stuff, and you'll see behind-the-scenes photos, and there are people in the background being named, whereas, you yes. know, usually it's either Brian Johnson or Nick Alder 
they would be the two people that would be with an eagle. But yes. now they're actually being given the acknowledgement and that I think, uh, yeah. they deserve. And I think people are more interested now in who did the paintwork on that? Who mm. did the font on it? Who dirtied it up? And, and you're more interested in that as well now. And mm. it's nice. It's that, that people are sort of taking an interest in, mm. Mm. in the people that actually do the, the nuts and bolts of it. Mm. Which is weird because we don't think of that in any of the other departments. You don't think, I, I wonder which guy uh, rigged the lighting rig for that. Yeah. Ooh. You know, you don't, <laughs> you don't do you? It's, perhaps someone does, I don't know. Perhaps there's a podcast somewhere looking at there could be. Uh, the lighting in Blake 7. Yeah, yeah. You never know. You never well, know. Yeah. yeah. So, so yes, um, Simon says in the interview, you know, that he made the model, it went off, it was then, you know, ha- had some more refinement to it yes. before they filmed it, and that's what we see. And, uh, yeah, it, basically it was stock footage after that, wasn't it? When it, when, yeah. when it reappeared in other Blake 7 oh, yeah, uh, it, stories, it was stock footage. The model was long gone wherever it ended up between mm. when it reappeared um mm. yeah they, they didn't get out and refilm it each time it was no. you know i mean we often deride the amount of special effects stock footage in an episode mm. um but it makes sense you know that's an expensive part of filming and it looks bloody good as well yeah, so of course exactly, you're going to use yeah, it again you're going to use it over and over again I yeah mean, you never saw the spider from Har- harvest of kairos appearing in another episode did you no that, that uh, they skipped that i hope <laughs> literally it must have been strange for simon because yeah. you know as i say in the interview you know that was the very first model he did on his own professionally um, and then he was reunited with it last year at Small Space and then yes the uh, the yeah it must be really really weird because it would be like you go to you go to Small Space and someone comes up to you and says look I've got you know one of these models that you said were in the attic that disappeared years ago look I've got look at this 40 years ago yeah yeah I mean you'd you'd wonder why he's got it (laughs) but uh, or I mean back when I was doing like the IMAR stuff and stuff sold all over the world and I would make up stuff and you know set, do painted ones that someone turning up and showing me one of them from years ago mm. I, I'd be fascinated to see it but how weird would that mm. be mm. Mm. what is it a similar thing is me finding that uh, that Blake 7 short story yeah and reading it again it's I, I have no recollection of writing that whatsoever but I know yeah. I wrote it and yeah you know that's a surreal thing you know yeah I mean there's yeah. some somewhere I mean I presuming they, they keep archives but somewhere there's a, a, a children who need one of the first ones um, they they interviewed me me dad and uh, me best mate on BBC radio about because we were doing I'd, I'd built a Dalek for it and somewhere presumably that exists and it'd be like coming across that mm, mm. just weird just very strange it's a weird life to for I'm not I'm not saying we're in the limelight at all but for someone that is in the limelight that you don't get that with plumbers do you you don't get someone no. say, showing you say here's a oh, tap you yeah, changed forty yeah. years ago <laughs> unless they're gonna say it's started leaking I want my money back <laughs> but yeah you would yeah here's a bit of soldering you did yeah in 1984 yeah, yeah. can you sign it no. <laughs> I tell, I tell you what I didn't ask Simon, I wish I had, was, you know, the restoration process that he yeah. undertook. He, he was very good. He, he, he detailed it, didn't he, online. Uh, yes, and it was interesting that he was trying to do authentic, so mm. not, not just, because like, if we were restoring that, we'd, we'd, we'd probably try and recreate stuff. 
mm. rather than go and find the original. Mm. But yeah, it's nice. It's nice that he's he was keeping true to it. But but yeah. but something that must have been a challenge for him is that the areas of the ship that he didn't build originally, like the undercarriage. Yeah, what does it look like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To actually source those parts. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Simon says on his uh, on his website that they were triang bridge parts. Yeah. But there must have been a process of what the heck is this, you yeah. know, to try well, and find out what these yeah, pieces I mean, we've, are. We've done it. I mean, you're, you're, when you build your props and that, and especially the, there's a whole industry for Star Wars. What the hell did they use mm. um, on original lightsabers and things like that? And the, you know, the DL44 blaster. And I mean, it's only recently they found out what the baffle at the front, you know, the, mm. the engine block, which was, you know, it it must be amazing to. to it's almost forensic science. So he must have been looking at this, you know, if he had one surviving going, what the hell is this from? Mm. And I like, the, I like the fact that he said he went online and tried to get reviews of kits. Yes. To Just see to look the at the sprues. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, what's good now, of course, is with 3D printing and that. If, if, if yeah. there is, say, a, you know, um, you know an, an AMT truck kit from 1972 yeah. that you need one piece off of the engine, if one person's got it and can, uh, can uh, scan it, yeah, you can, you can do 3D reason. printing. Does, or, does or, part of you think that's cheating? I, part of me thinks that's cheating. Well, no, not really, because, you know, I've attempted in yeah. before, you know, um, to... Uh, um, do recreations of yeah. of uh, filming miniatures, and part sometimes I give up partly because oh, I can't afford it. I can't justify you know seventy pounds to buy a truck kit. I only need two pieces off of it. But partly, I mean, I did the hairdresser dresser uh, hairdresser that that the hairdryer ship. Yeah. You know the infamous um, Andromedian uh, hairdresser. <laughs> ha- ha- I keep saying hairdresser. 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 Yeah. Mm. Um, and I we managed- know what you mean. I managed to get the two, you know, uh, hair dryers. Fine, yep. that's not a problem. They got v- very expensive now because a lot of people try this. And I did build it, and I got it three quarters done. But what, what, what was niggling me was there are parts on that ship. And I, I was talking to Matt Irvin about it and saying, look, what is this bit? And he didn't know. Yeah. And I was on the Eagle Forum website, what is this bit? And people didn't know. And even though I had it three quarters of the way done, it niggled me that it wasn't strictly accurate. A lot of it was, but some of it wasn't. And in the end, I sold it. I sold it as a, oh, right. you, you, you know, partly built one. And, and yeah, 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 it went for quite a bit of money. But... Um, yeah, if I want to make something accurate, Phil Stevens, we mentioned Phil earlier. Phil Stevens was very good. I did the the ore carrier ship from Star One, the yeah. thing, the one that crashes into the Nova Queen, and I've got one of them, and and, and I'm glad that it's 100% accurate. But it meant having to buy a Luke's X-wing model kit because yeah, you no, it's not cheap. And do you know the, the 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 two bits you need off of the X-wing to do that ship? It's the two halves of R2D2. Oh, right. That's all you need. Is that all you need? That's all you need. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I probably got one kicking about somewhere. Yeah, so, so yeah, I, I understand what Simon's uh, talking about there. Yeah. It, 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 it can be very expensive and very frustrating to try and track these things. You'll have something in an eBay search for years waiting for one to, yeah. to pop up. I'd like to do the Dark Star spaceship yeah. but to do that you need the bomb as well and the bomb is of quite a rare uh, truck uh, container, you know. So I, I totally get where, yeah. where 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 Simon's coming from, and uh, and it has been fascinating watching him restoring it, peeling off old panels and replacing yeah. it. I wasn't aware of just how damaged it was. I saw it at small space, but I wasn't aware that there were whole sections missing. 
mm. that he had to recreate. I suppose it's like when you decide to retile your bathroom, you never realise how big a job it is until you. Well, it's a can of worms, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And I imagine this is the same that you probably you think, oh, it's just a bit of a touch up on the paint, and then you realise that after panels are falling off, bits are missing, that you know stuff's damaged. But yeah, uh, yeah it's. I mean, it's. It's looking amazing, to be fair. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was lovely how he said, you know, I, I peeled a piece off and the original paint job was underneath, yeah. so he could get a paint match yeah. from something that's been covered up for, say, 40 years. Yeah, it's just, it's just it is forensic archaeology almost, isn't it? On yeah. Models. yeah, the thing I found really funny was the, the, the mesh that's the walkway below yeah. that slot was actually stuck on with carpet tape by yeah. the BBC. That was a, a later addition as well. Yeah, it must. Be, I mean, it's when you see the way stuff's done like that. But it's a, it, it again. It's I think someone on the the Facebook page said about the the ore carrier and that and that um, a, a studio model is designed to do a certain amount of thing for a certain amount of time. Yes, and that's very true. That if it looks okay on camera, it's not going to pass muster in real life. But I mean, that's true of almost all props. I I, I remember I went to. Um, the in I think it was Portsmouth Historic Dockyards and they had the James Bond exhibition on ages ago, years ago, and I think that was the the sort of the time that I realised most props are crap. <laughs> <laughs> when you they, look at them, up yeah, close. when you look at them in real life, because they're designed to be look good on film, mm. which is completely different to the human eye looking at it up close, and you realise that you know stuff isn't very well detailed, or there's air bubbles all over resin casts of stunt gun you know, or, or you like have that. to overdo the, the weathering to make it appear yes, to make on, it on, appear on camera it, yeah because you lose a certain amount of the weathering so that they look overly weathered um, colours so when you see a, the colour of original prop and you realise that you've been painting it wrong all this time but do you paint it to the original prop or do you paint it to what it looks like on film Oh, it's a can of worms. Yeah, but, one yeah. one word, Solarco. Oh, um, yes. Yeah, yeah, you know, my Solarco. Do I paint it the the, the, the colour of the miniature or the dark blue that it appears yeah. because of the lighting when yeah. you watch Aliens? Yes, yes, yeah. But uh, again, you've got an, inference there, uh, an instance there with Simon. You know, he said that only one side of the, yeah. uh, the, the, the London was detailed properly. You I know, know it's... it's and your, but your brain imagines that both sides, but why would you bother if you're only yeah. showing one side if of you're camera? Only it's a total waste one, of time and money. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, no, a fa- fascinating interview. I, I, yeah. I really yeah, enjoyed did, it. You yeah. did a good job there. You make a good yeah. interview. Do I? Yeah, I, I think you, you, you do it well. Well, I'm a rivet counter, see. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested in, in the process of making models because that's what I enjoy doing. And I, I'm, I'm always looking out for what yeah. kit parts were used and stuff. So, yeah. Not not only for Simon to talk about how he built it, but but the process of restoring it. Yeah. And uh, when this episode comes out, I'll, I'll be putting links to Simon's sites. Yeah. Um, I wonder if I wonder if he prefers being like interviewed by someone that knows what they're talking about, like yourself, or like Fluffy, where he can get away with just saying any <laughs> you know. Well, if I have him back for a second interview, yeah, you, you him, can yeah. ask him I'll that ask one. Him, yeah. <laughs> No, but Simon, if you're listening to this, uh, thank you once again yes, for, for the interview. That, much, that, yes. that, that was lovely. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's made this special episode that much more special, hasn't it? It has, yes. And I, I could tell the awe in your voice, Eric. And well, quite rightly, that's not a dig or anything. That's quite rightly. I, yeah, I would, be, I would have been tongue-tied, I think. Okay, no, no, I, I loved it. You know, that, that was good, good fun. 
All right, okay. All right, well, we're drawing to a close, um, and that's this very special episode over, so uh, you know the drill. Because normally our specials are quite short, aren't they? This is, this, no, we'll this be is value for money com- special. Coming up for an hour. Yeah, it's yeah. not bad. Not bad for a special. Um, but, of course, you know now, uh, that means we're going back to season one. Season one. Next yep. week. And... Um, and it's kind of appropriate because we're going to look at a character from a story that featured the London. Um, yes. Brian Blessed's Vargas. So, yes, so Brian. keep the volume control down or get some earplugs ready yeah, for that you're, one. You're, you're going to have to adjust the volume on the clips for that one, aren't you? I think, do you think every time we talk about him, I should turn the volume right up on our. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to make us really shouty. Yeah, you should, you should. Every time we mention his name, you should play at full volume. Gordon's alive. <laughs> <laughs> now I was thinking of the dive bit where he goes dive. Yeah. Dive. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so Good yes. Enough, Brian. Oh, yeah, I've been looking forward to this uh, again I didn't want to do all the really good ones right at the yeah. start here we are yeah. in the middle of this show's run and here we we're, we're going to be having Brian Blessed can you imagine an episode featuring him and uh, Baben oh, oh what a thing that would hey. be yeah we, we we need a story where Baben actually went to Cygnus Alpha and met yeah. Brian before Blake did they had a shout off yeah. a shout off <laughs> yeah oh god yeah, Big Finish should do that. Yeah, I think they should. Yeah. No, 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 it'll blow every microphone yeah, in the studio. Yeah, yeah they'll just they'll bankrupt them. They, it would indeed, yeah. All right, okay, everyone. So, yeah, uh, join us next time uh, where we talk about the Blessed Brian. All right? The Blessed Brian. Like the Blessed it. Brian. All right, thanks then. Bye-bye. No Bye.